Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Ryan Brooks, who's the owner of Positive Pup. He's the founder of Real with Ryan. He's also the podcast host of Shortcast with Ryan. As you can tell, he's a bit of a serial entrepreneur, and we're going to be talking today about the real authentic journey of taking a business idea and jumping into the world of entrepreneurship, jumping into the world of innovation and creativity, and starting something meaningful that makes a positive impact on the world around us. We'll be talking about business ownership, the journey of entrepreneurship, and yeah, I think you're going to enjoy this episode. It's one that I really enjoyed myself. And of course, if you love dogs, you'll like this episode too. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. You know, I love to bring you good advice. And today I'm sitting down with someone that I've been wanting to sit down with for a while. We're sitting down with Ryan Brooks today, and we're going to be talking about what does it look like to start a business? What does it look like to actually um, not just start the business? It feels like we can all just start a business, but actually turn a business idea into an actual, an actual profitable, sustainable business. Now, Ryan is the owner of Positive Pup. And that is his dog training business. We're going to be talking about how much we love our dogs, I'm sure. But also, he's a fellow podcaster. You got to check out Shortcast with Ryan. Again, that's Shortcast with Ryan. You can probably find it on, I'm assuming, any social or any podcast platform. In fact, maybe you should hit pause on this and go check out his podcast before you forget about it. Shortcast with Ryan. We'll be talking about that today as well. Ryan, it's so great to have you on the show today. Yeah, Blake. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Well, uh, like I said in the intro, I've been wanting to sit down with you for a while, so I'm glad we got it nailed down. And uh, how's your day going today? You know, Blake, today is a fantastic day. It's it's Monday morning around 10 a.m., so the the coffee's had a chance to uh, to hit now. So feeling energized, feeling ready to get after the week, and and like you said, excited to finally get to talk with you. This is this is great. Well, let's let's do. You, uh, do you have dogs that you own in addition to the business, or yeah, like yeah, a rite of passage, right? Like you have to, right? I mean, <laughs> yep. So uh, background on the dogs, I do own three. Uh, I have three mutts. Um, you know, one's a large dog named Ollie, one's a crazy fox named Kaya, and one's a little Chihuahua mix. Uh, but they're excellent. But a little background there is, I'm I was an only child growing up. And so I never really had siblings, but my parents ended up, um, you know, splitting and getting a divorce and, and both of them were dog lovers. So while I was growing up, I was splitting time between households and it was just my mom at one house, my dad at the other, and both of them had a handful of dogs. So, you know, growing up, dogs were always kind of my siblings. And so that's kind of where I got the <laughs> background in dog training. Um, and my stepmom, uh, her name's Ginger. She actually worked for uh, Border Collie Rescue. 
So since I was about 10 years old until I, I left the home going off to college, we brought in about 35 to 50 border collies that were either abandoned, left at a shelter, or just the owners couldn't deal with them. And so that background kind of taught me how to train dogs and, and, you know, hence the dog training business. Uh, I have to ask, I'm assuming when, uh, which by the way, I, I think I'm losing internet here. So if I flub in and out, just let me know. But uh, I'm assuming, I, I know you, um, uh, I didn't catch your girlfriend's name, but I'm assuming like from the get go, there has to be like this common ground of, Hey, just so you know, uh, I love dogs and they're going to be in my life forever. Um, I'm assuming there's some kind of conversation that has to happen. Like, for example, if you know, she's like, oh, I love cats and I hate dogs. And it's probably, <laughs> probably not going to happen, right? Yeah. Oh, it's it's funny that you bring that up um, because she, um, by nature, is a cat person. So, no. <laughs> yeah, but we, we, we've made it work out. She loves dogs. She loves animals. Her name's Emily. Um, and so, okay. you know, there, it wasn't a hard transition, but I'm a little bit allergic to cats. Um, and she's always loved them, but she loves dogs too. Um, and you know, it's one of those things that whenever you learn how to train dogs and, and one of my philosophies, this isn't just training, but really connecting with dogs and learning to build communication relationship with your pets. Um, it kind of, it, it, it elevates, um, you know, the connection you can have with dogs to a new level. So she appreciates that. We love, we love all of our, all of our dogs. <laughs> so tell me about positive pup. Uh, how long have you been in business? Tell me a little bit about, you had this thing that you were like, I'm kind of good at this. Like I, I know quite a bit about this. I'd love to hear about just the transition into, yeah, I'm going to start a business. I mean, you mm -hmm. just celebrated two years month, right? April, 2019. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure on the inception date and you know, this, this is something that I wanted to do for a while. So I was at the university of Arkansas, um, and I was a business student. And so I had done a few different things while I was there, including running the student run business called forever red. Um, but as I was approaching my senior year, I had an internship for places, but I knew at my core, I wanted to start something. And as I was approaching the end of my college, I was, I was thinking to myself, man, you know, we're kind of coming in on the last semester and I haven't started my own business yet. And I was thinking to myself, if I don't do this now, I feel like I'm going to get a, you know, nine to five job and it will be, you know, exponentially harder to start something then. So, you know, before my last semester, there was a few people who I knew in college who started to, uh, well, the funny story was um, there was a friend in one of my classes who had a golden retriever puppy. And before, um, you know, before it started this whole thing, uh, she hadn't paid the uh, the pet deposit for having this puppy in her apartment and they were doing inspections. And so she needed someone to watch her puppy for two weeks and was <laughs> scrambling all over to get- I've shamelessly to done this too. In my, yeah. I have a dog and I remember in our town home, we didn't, we hadn't paid, it, we hadn't done ours either. And um, it was like, they were doing inspections. We're like, what do we do with her? Where do we put her? Yeah. Um, so anyway, I just, you know, 
Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt your story. Oh, no worries. No worries. So um, yeah, they hadn't paid their pet deposit. So we're <laughs> scrambling to find someone to watch their dogs. I had just moved into my uh, my new house and had a backyard. I was like, you know what? I, I can do that. I can watch a puppy. And so they they give me the dog, the dog's name, Leo. And I just treat this dog. I didn't have one at the time. I, I treated it like I would treat my own, my own dog. Um, trained it, you know, you know, let it out to go potty, took it on a run, um, started teaching him tricks. And after two weeks, I gave this puppy back. Um, and she, my <laughs> friend was like, what in the world did you do? Like this wow. dog was ruining my life, tearing up the windows, like chewing up the floorboards and is like a little angel now. I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, what, what do you mean? I, I just treated this like I would treat any dog. And so that was kind of like the click for me. I was like, man, there might be something here. Um, and so as that semester went on, as I was approaching kind of the end of college, I had the thought of, you know, making this a real business and starting to take in clients and charge people and really hone in and and build some expertise here. And so I remember it was over Christmas break and I was still on the fence. I wasn't ready to pull the trigger, but I had the thought that was, um, you know, I'll be more disappointed if I never try than if I try this and failed. And that was like the crux, the moment I knew I needed to go and do this. And whether I put in all the effort and went through and learned how to train dogs and start a business, even if I failed, I would be more happy than if I didn't try at all. And so that was kind of the, the impetus of trying. And, and then, of course, I went through the whole process of setting up the sole proprietorship, of setting up the website, Positive Pup of, you know, working. And, and this was kind of where, you know, I started to learn some, some business acumen, but I, I talked to lawyers um, and ended up finding one at the university who had a dog that needed to be trained. So I trained their dog in return for agreements and, and legal advice there. Um, and then it just started to build on itself until, you know, I had a, I had a fully functioning business for dog training. Um, but I will be honest that I, I've kind of passed that business off anymore. So I'm not doing really personal training sessions, even though I do still do dog training on, you know, social media, like TikTok. I've about, got about 83,000 followers on TikTok and I do dog training that way. So still, it's still core to me, but not my everyday activities anymore. Well, I mean, we, you know, naturally, I'm just curious about TikTok now. It feels like TikTok has become this almost viral place for people in their businesses and not necessarily like direct content in the sense of, hey, I'm myself, buy what I have, but mm -hmm. really showcasing the things that we're particularly gifted in and talented in. Mm -hmm. um, do you feel like TikTok's here to stay? Yeah. So that's a, that's a great question. I do think it is here to stay. Um, it's relevance and it's use and how people are utilizing it, I feel like is yet to be determined. Um, I think during the pandemic, during the quarantine, you know, most people were at home, we were on our phones more, we were watching Netflix more. I think TikTok was an exceptional avenue for connection and expressment or expressing oneself 
during that time. So it was really, really excellent for people to show who they are, what they enjoy, what they think is funny, um, and share that with a really massive amount of people in a way that's a little bit different than other social media platforms. Now, this TikTok doesn't seem to be the best place as of right now for business. I think people tend to go to TikTok, you know, users tend to go to TikTok to kind of escape the, you know, reality of advertisements and things like that. And I I believe people are very sensitive to being sold things on TikTok, at least um, indiscriminately. You know, I think there will be a place for businesses to start to utilize and harness TikTok. um, But I think that's yet to be determined how that's best going to be used. Um, but for me, for example, I just, you know, because I trained dogs for a long time, I had, you know, some advice to give and I, I love to explore different avenues of entertainment and just have fun myself. It was a really good avenue for me to kind of share, you know, the good word of, of dog training and teach people through some of these funny videos Um, of how I train dogs. And it's not really a prescriptive place of you need to do X, Y, and Z, step one, two, and three, but this is how I do things. And maybe you can take a little bit of that good advice and implement it into your own, you know, relationship with your pets. Well, I appreciate it about, you know, people really, it almost feels like people are doing really well on, um, I think Instagram, I think TikTok, um, those are really the two that are in my mind that are, um, they feel a bit more casual than say like a LinkedIn, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, or especially, um, they're a lot more hipster than Facebook. It's like, who wants to spend time on Facebook these days, you know? Yeah. Well, my, what's interesting though, I think you're right that it feels like people are in today's age, very sensitive to online advertising and sales. Um, you know, Ryan, you're a sales guy. You understand sales. We haven't talked much about your mm-hmm. background in sales, but it's a little bit of what you're doing right now. Yep. Talk to me a little bit about for people who are listening, who they're they're trying to take this business idea that they have, mm-hmm. and they're wanting to get it out there. They want people to buy from them, but they're apprehensive because they're thinking, "Yeah, I don't want to be just another salesperson online." Mm-hmm. Any insights you? for how people can start to build trust with their prospective clientele to start getting people to be interested in them and mm-hmm. then maybe eventually buy from them? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think I have a little bit of advice, but I, I will say, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty young guy. I'm, I'm 24. I haven't been selling things for a very long time. Um, but what I like to do is try to really understand the value that, you know, my product or my service is bringing um, and, and, you know, being able to articulate that and not just sell it, but show people what they're going to get out of it. And so we can use TikTok, for example, as a funnel for dog training. You know, it's really, you know, awesome to say, hey, if you buy my dog training course or you do a private lesson with me or, you know, if you have a product that you purchase from me, you're going to get X, Y and Z. But it is so much more powerful to show people the examples of the outcome. People don't want to put in work. People want results. And so 
the difference between me saying, Hey, if you want your dog to walk good on a leash, you need to do, you know, this, you know, the difference between showing that and saying that and telling and showing people, this is, this is the result. You know, this is an example of my dog and other people's dogs walking good on the leash. And I'm going to tell you how to get there. From there, people are primed to hear your advice and actually, you know, implement it and look for, you know, that product or service that you're selling. The same way I work with a company called Field Agent. What we do is connect shoppers to brands, you know, help CPG companies, you know, sell more products. It's really awesome to say, hey, we can increase your sales. We'll boost your revenue. X, Y, and Z. But whenever we can show people examples of how other companies have done this, this is the result. We are just a step that you take to get there. It is, you know, you are creating yourself as the pathway to someone else's success. Um, And I think that's something I believe in, in a fundamental level um, is finding win, win, win scenarios. Um, And if you can't find a way that you are benefiting and that the person you're selling to is benefiting, then I think there should be a little bit of adjustment, whether that's to the product or service or to the person, the party that you were trying to sell to. Um, I, I definitely believe you can find ways of selling things that is beneficial for all parties. Um, so that was a whole bunch. That was a, a bowl of spaghetti of words, but I hope there was something <laughs> there that you could pick out. Yeah. And you know, what I think about is you're, you're talking about this process. That's a lot more, um, there's a bit more effort that goes into it rather than just picking up the phone and saying, Hey, would you buy this from me? Mm-hmm. And it, it almost feels like what you're advising is in direct tension with what a lot of online digital marketers are talking about, which is just send this email, you know, just send, mm-hmm. you know, just make this phone call. Uh, or now I had someone show me a business they were thinking of that um, they automate your LinkedIn DMs mm-hmm. in terms of uh, cold pitching sales and said, what do you think about this? And I said, well, you know, if that's, if you're, um, you know, if you love cold calling, then that's great for you, but yeah. you really lose what you're talking about, which is that very personal um, almost hands-on, um, I can see it, I can touch it, I can taste mm-hmm. it type of approach. Um, talking more about, you know, some of the things that you show people or you try to teach people like on TikTok, for example, mm-hmm. what are some of the worst habits that you see people do with their dog? Yeah. Um, well, and I'm just going to get some free advice and write this down for my yeah, own there dog. You, there you go. So uh, one thing that, one thing that lots of people do, and this is completely natural for us to do is, is we treat our pets like they're humans. We treat our pets like they're kids. And this is something that makes so much sense to us because we love our dogs. We love our pets. We love our animals so much. And we want to treat them as we would treat our own child. But the reality is, is that our pets, our dogs aren't kids. They, they are dogs. And while there are, <laughs> oh, yeah. there, there are similarities in how you would treat a dog and how you would treat a, a pet or um, a child, you know, there are differences. And so, you know, I'll just take an example of separation anxiety. This is something that lots of households deal with. They leave their house and their dog is freaking out and chews something up. And, you know, with kids, 
we might leave a kid at home. I'm I'm sorry, I don't have kids, but <laughs> we might leave a kid at home. And we come Maybe back and tell like, anyone about it because we won't get in <laughs> yeah. trouble. You know, yeah, sure. Right. Like for the sake of the example, sure, you leave yeah, your kid for the sake of the home, example. If, if you we leave have a five year old at home alone, and you know, <laughs> yeah, or we leave our, leave our kid at daycare, you know, it, it's yeah. acceptable to to come back and give your kid a big hug and say, "Hey, I love and I miss you," and you know, I'll never leave you again or whatever it was, and that's perfectly fine for children and showing them that love is is amazing. But whenever you do that with dogs, it starts to cause separation anxiety, and what happens is when a dog is left alone. And you come home and you make it a big deal. You make it exciting. You make it an energetic release of energy is whenever your dogs are at home. Now they're starting to learn that, man, they need to be waiting for that big release. They need to be waiting for you to come home and like release this tension and have be a huge deal for you to both leave and then come home. So, you know, the best advice that I have that has changed so many, you know, client and dogs relationships is it it sounds so hard, um, but simply making it as little of a deal to leave and come home as possible. Hmm. So I will say, don't look at your dog. Don't pet your dog. Don't talk to your dog for the five minutes before you leave and the five minutes after you come home. And I have seen that transform a ton of relationships. So it does sound really challenging because especially like when you've had a really awful day, it's like, mm-hmm. all I want to do is pet my dog. Cause you know, it's man's best friend. Right. And so they're yeah. always going to be affectionate and happy to see you. And it's a nice um, relief from, uh, whatever kind of day you've had for sure. Um, it's, it's fun listening about the dog business, but I have to, just cause we're running out of time. I have to ask you about short casts with Ryan. Yeah. Uh, so you're a fellow podcaster. Um, I checked it out. There's all sorts of, um, information. Let me pull it up here again. Uh, I say all sorts of information. There's a wide variety of, um, different things that you talk about. So mm-hmm. I know your most recent episode you just published yesterday was uh, episode 59, how to discover yourself. Yeah. Um, but then you have these other things you, you talk about, uh, you went on a five day water fast, yep. which you poor human. I just try to eat as much as possible. <laughs> so <laughs> I just tell people I'm just embracing the dad bod. So oh, man, yeah, you, you have this awesome podcast. You're talking about all sorts of different things. Um, tell me more about the inspiration behind the podcast and also um, really for the people listening who haven't checked it out yet, what, what is the podcast in your mind? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the podcast shortcast with Ryan really is a personal outlet for my thoughts and ideas. Um, and so, you know, the, the dog training business, while I don't really do that much anymore, one thing that that taught me is that execution is everything. And that it's so easy for us to think and have an idea and think we have the next big, amazing thing, but it is so difficult to actually make something happen. And so this was something that I felt at my core. I was always someone who would have a ton of crazy business ideas or thoughts or opinions or perspectives on different types of things, whether that's health, happiness, and wellness, to dog training, to, you know, an idea about universal waste income and how can we, you know, manage our our waste. Um, And so the podcast for me was something that I wanted to set up where I can share 
you know, my ideas, I can share my thoughts and my perspectives and kind of eliminate the barriers to getting my own thoughts and words out there. And so I had tons and tons and tons of business ideas. I'd been accumulating in a journal for years and years. Um, and it was like a hundred plus. And, you know, what, one of the things I would say is that, you know, it takes a hundred good or a hundred bad ideas to make a good idea. And so I had all of these quote bad ideas that there were still some nuggets of information or at least, you know, humor or lessons in. And so Shortcast is my outlet to communicate all of those ideas, both good and bad, to the world in the hopes that someone out there will hear maybe just one of them and have the energy, the motivation, and the passion to put something like this into the world. But it really comes down to trying to imagine a better world, a better place for all of us through the lens of, of business and execution. And so Shortcast with Ryan is really my personal uh, megaphone to the world. So it's all of my ideas and thoughts, you know, in one place. Do you think you'll do it forever? Or I mean, does this, is it, does it feel kind of like a hobby right now? Or is it like, yeah, now that I'm, now that I'm a podcaster, I think I'll forever be a podcaster. I mean, I'd, I'd love to hear your plans with it. Yeah, I, I really do think that it's going to be something I'm going to do forever. Um, and, you know, to be honest, it's not a podcast that's particularly popular. I think the reason for that or one of the reasons for that is this podcast is it's essentially a monologue. It's me storytelling and, and talking through my own narrative of ideas. And so it's not as entertaining as, you know, maybe a conversation, um, but really it's something that I get a lot of intrinsic value out of and something that makes me feel good. So even though a podcast episode might only get, you know, one or two views, the process of putting my amorphous thoughts onto paper and into words is something that helps me think through my own life and clarify the world around me. So I get a ton of benefit even though that, you know, it, it could be private podcast episodes. I get a lot of benefit there. And so with that being said, I'm just going to keep on doing it. Um, and, you know, I, I mentioned how important execution is. I think persistence is something that's really important well. And if you go into whether that's a business or a new venture or a hobby, such as podcasting, one thing that I keep in mind is that I am just going to refuse to quit until it works. And so um, luckily I see the intrinsic benefit of podcasting mm -hmm. now, but if I just refuse to quit, maybe 20 years later, it will be something. So, <laughs> Well, I, the way I've heard it described is this was in the podcasting world, but I think it applies to um, a lot of other things. But yeah. someone had basically said, hey, whenever you do a podcast, just, just know that no one's going to listen to it. And I remember... So the, the Good Advice podcast now has grown to be this really cool thing where mm -hmm. uh, we broke the top 50 for um, entrepreneurship podcasts in the US, which oh, is really amazing. cool. But what's really funny about it is we're, we're on to almost three years now of the podcast. I remember my first week of starting my business, I started the podcast as well. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do a podcast. And so I published the episode and then naturally, you know, you're clicking like refresh, you know, on my yeah, statistics. Yeah. And it was like the whole week went by and I had one download and it was my wife, <laughs> you know, she was like, Hey, your podcast is great. But like the way I heard it described to me was 
hey, you do things like this for your own benefit mm-hmm. because it is like this outlet for you to express your thoughts and your expertise. And so I think that's really valuable insight and advice that you just gave is, you know, understanding that sort of like this, this connection between consistency and persistence. Mm-hmm. And also, um, sorry, my dog is, I need a, I need a, I need positive pup here now. Um, but this connection between consistency and, okay, I get, I actually get real value from this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a really cool insight. So yeah. Um, now with the podcast, by the way, um, oh, someone's ringing the doorbell. That's why she's barking. There you go. With the podcast, by the way, uh, have you ever thought about, um, is, I know right now you sort of use it as this megaphone for all these different thoughts and sort of creative mm-hmm. inspirations that you have for it. Do you feel like it's from one of the episodes, maybe like your, your next business will come out of it? Cause you seem very entrepreneurial and it seems like as I'm listening to you, you're talking about, um, you have all these ideas and like motivations and inspirations about the future. Do you ever see yourself recording an episode and being like, actually, I think that actually might be a really cool business idea. And then that being the next thing you do. Oh goodness. Blake, there's, there's a couple of the ideas in there, um, that I've already published. I've, I've put them out. So if anyone is working on these man, green light, go for it. I want to see these happen. Um, but there are a couple in there that really pull on my heartstrings. Um, you know, one I'll, I'll give people an example of is an idea of crowd. I call it crowd equipment. There could be a better, um, name for it, but it's the idea that, you know, I have a house. There are other people out there that have a house and within this house, I have equipment. So I have a mountain bike. Some people might have a kayak. Some people have a lawnmower, a power washer. There's equipment that you have, whether that's, you know, for, you know, improving your house, getting chores done, or, you know, activities such as kayaking and mountain biking. Well, most of these times I love this equipment, but it sits dormant in my garage. And so the idea of crowd equipment is how can you reframe your relationship to items? How can you, you know, use that mountain bike and rent that out to people who want to mountain bike, but don't want to purchase it. So the whole idea is creating kind of a universal equipment marketplace that connects all these people in Northwest Arkansas looking to mountain bike, but don't have one with the mountain bike that lays dormant in my garage. That's in great conditioning. And so the idea is to reimagine your relationship with items to where you can buy something for yourself that then, you know, generates income for you. So that it's, is something very close to me that I love the idea. The complexity of it is crazy. So, um, you know, one of the reasons I haven't, I haven't made it a thing yet. It's kind of how um, the inspiration a little bit behind Airbnb was mm-hmm. you have this property, you have this place you're not necessarily using is there a way to monetize it? And I think what's really cool about today's world we live in is it feels like as innovation keeps developing that things that maybe we would have said years ago, like, ah, I don't know if that's really going to happen. Mm-hmm. It feels like today's culture is developing so fast that these new inspirations are quickly becoming very tangible ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even, I mean, think about 10 or 15 years ago, you know, and, you know, I know you don't have a kid. My kid's just one year old, so she's not doing this either. But, you know, imagine that your 16 year old says, Hey, yeah, I'm jumping in this car with a stranger and they're going to drive me down to, 
you know, the movie theater and, you know, you'd be like, what, what, what are you talking about? But like, that's today's world as you know, Mm -hmm. someone jumps in a car in an Uber or a Lyft or what have you. And it's so normal now. And it's like, well, what, you know, of course, yeah. Why that's just today's it's commonplace now, but 10 or 15 years ago, it's like, oh, that would never happen. Right. So it is exciting to see how these ideas can evolve and develop and uh, I don't have a mountain bike and I don't have a kayak, but, you know, we are in Northwest Arkansas, which is uh, bike city, I guess. So mm-hmm. um, I guess I'll be keeping an eye out on your idea because maybe I'll need to rip one. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Blake, um, you know, I wanted to get a chance to ask you this question. I don't know if you've been asked this before or thought about this, um, but, you know, you're the host of Good Advice podcast. You've got a business called Good Advice. I was wondering if you had insights into what separates good advice from great advice. Uh, <laughs> uh, probably the difference between the advice I give and versus someone much smarter than me is what I would assume. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think good advice has to have two things. I think great advice has to have two things is it, it has to be relatable to the person mm-hmm. and what they're actually going through. They have to, it has to be anchored to them. Yeah. Right? You know, I mean, there's all sorts of, I mean, you go to the get the self-help section and there's a lot of good information in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's not meaningful for some people because they haven't found a way to relate it to what they're actually going through. Mm-hmm. I think whenever you have a conversation with someone, which is a lot of what I do is I have conversations with people and I talk through ideas with them, is it has to be relatable um, and tangible to what's happening in their life. Mm-hmm. And when that relatability isn't there, it's just, you know, it's like social media, right? I mean, you're just, you're just blowing out air. You're just blowing out ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's my take on it is it has to, it has to be able to, so that people can connect with. And then the other thing is I think it has to be really um, tangible in terms of what do I do with this now? Mm, yeah. Right. It's like, I'm going to give you advice on, um, so let's talk about something that I, I know I really don't know that much about, mm-hmm. but let me give you a relationship. And I don't, by the way, for listeners, don't call me for this. Cause I, I, I can't do this at all. But <laughs> if I was gonna give you relationship advice, you know, let's say we're friends, we're barbecuing or whatever. And, um, you ask for relationship advice there would, to make it actually great advice. I'd have to tell you something that you would then know, okay, where do I go from here? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think a lot of times we, mislead ourselves when we go to like these conferences or like these really cool, like three day, you know, things, which NWA hosts and stuff like that. We're like, Oh, that was so amazing. But then like two weeks later, nothing's any different. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, yeah. it's like the, the conference high that we get on. And so I, I think for advice to be truly meaningful, um, you got to know what to do with it. Yeah. Like oh, I went to this conference. Okay. No, well, what am I actually going to do tomorrow? Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm actually going to do um, tomorrow with my business that actually is going to make it uh, more sustainable. So that's my take on it. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, I, I haven't thought about this much, but I think that, you know, one being relatable to the person who is hearing this, having advice that, like you said, someone can anchor to, someone can pull into their own perspective that is critical. And then yes, knowing what to do with it, how to implement this advice. So can you hear it? Can you understand it? Can you implement it? I, I think that does um, dictate great advice. I, I, I don't think I'd, uh, you know, add anything else. I think, <laughs> I think you're the good, good and great advice, man. So yeah, I, I well, trust your, um, 
You're well, and, and here's, here's the thing to think about. And I think this is good for both of us and anyone listening is if, if, if anyone ever listens to this podcast, or well, maybe they listen even to, to Shortcast with Ryan, if someone doesn't walk away with insight, insight on, okay, yeah, I'm going to do that different. Like already right now, I'm thinking about when I leave my house, when I leave my house, how am I going to treat my dog? Because I'm worried about her being nervous. And so I'll get down on one knee, I'll look in her eyes, I'll give her a big hug, I'll remind her I love her. But now I'm thinking about it differently. And so what's happened mm-hmm. is I've gotten insight from you. And like that's that's the powerful uh transaction that can happen with people as I've gotten insight and now I know what to do different. Mm-hmm. I think when those things aren't happening in whatever platform we're sharing wisdom or whatever on, it's really just a platform to feed our own egos. Mm, yeah. Right. It's, it's to feel good about myself. Cause if at the end of the day, if, if the person listening isn't any different, mm-hmm. right. Then, then all we've done is we're just, we're just hitting publish or hitting upload or what have you just to see the follower number go up. Yeah. Right. And that's to make us feel good. And so I I think it's, I think the nature of good advice, not my business, but just in general to, to share something of value Mm -hmm. is it has to be something that people can actually take and run with. Yeah. I love that. I, while you were talking, I feel like I have thought of a third kind of pillar for what great advice is. So, you know, we have that relatability, the ability for an individual to hear, understand, and anchor to the advice, the, you know, action step, how is someone going to implement and take this forward into their own lives and do something about it? But I feel like the third is the reason why and the purpose behind the advice Mm. and really understanding and educating and communicating, not just how you can relate and, you know, what you can do, but why you should do it. And I think, you know, once you have that purpose, that reason why, that's where actions become easier. So anyone can force themselves to do something that's difficult, but whenever you have a purpose, a reason, a result, a thing you want to accomplish or achieve an end goal, the action of implementing that becomes so much easier because you have more of that intrinsic motivation. So that's uh that's something I would add to that definition if I love if it. I could. Yeah, I love it. Sounds great, man. Well, hey, we are unfortunately out of time today. Ryan, it has been so fun talking to you and I appreciate so much your insight, like I mentioned. For people who are listening and they want to stay connected to you, what's the best way for people to do that? Yeah, Blake, I've I've had a, a great time, a great conversation. For anyone who's listening, um, you know, Blake's mentioned my podcast, Shortcast with Ryan. Um, but I have a website, so it's realwithryan.com. Um, that is the website that holds all of my different media. So from there, you can find my podcast and some of the best episodes that I've made. But from there, you can also find my other media. So we mentioned my TikTok. Um, I have my Instagram there. I have my LinkedIn there. I have a YouTube channel where I do a video documentation of some of my things. So we mentioned that five-day fast where I ate no bite of food for 115 hours. I did that on video and documented the whole um, you know process and go into the science behind that. So realwithryan.com is the single best place to find everything Ryan. And and I really hope that you check it out. I I really appreciate it a ton. Ryan, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. I appreciate it. Yeah, Blake, thanks for having me. This has been a treat. I hope that sometime we can uh, chat again. Of course, of course. 
Hey, for our listeners, I will put Real with Ryan down in the episode description below so you can check that out. And hey, if you've been listening to the podcast and you enjoy the podcast, what the heck are you waiting on? Click that subscribe button, click that follow button so you keep getting good you can keep getting good advice wherever you are. And hey, don't forget that if you are loving the podcast, we are on Patreon. We just put up our Patreon this last year. You can go to patreon.com slash good advice if you want to support the podcast or if you want to get your business sponsored on the podcast. Again, that's patreon.com slash good advice. And of course, I so appreciate your support. Hey, thanks for listening and we'll catch you later. See ya.